I couldn't do this episode justice without playing you the song because this week's episode of the You Can't Say With Me podcast is brought to you by Hero Cosmetics. So here's my little situation. This week is Shark Week and I'm not going to explain what that is. And what typically happens during Shark Week, I get a massive, massive volcano-sized pimple, usually on my nose or on my chin, either way, always somewhere where it is massively noticeable. So they sent over the Mighty Patch, which I've used. All you have to do is basically stick it on your pimple, leave it for six hours minimum. So I just left it overnight. When I woke up, my pimple had severely diminished in size, which was amazing because I really wanted to go and show off at my dance class because I've taken up dancing again. FYI. And it does work better on whiteheads. So when I had a pimple that was ready to go, all you do is stick on the patch, you wake up in the morning and it is completely gone, completely flat. This might be kind of a gross detail, but it's also very satisfying. When you remove the patch, you actually see all the gunk from your pimple on the patch. So it really absorbs all these oils, all these nasties, and then you just find them on the patch. You don't actually need to perform surgery on your pimples. You don't need to use all these harsh products, you know, scrubs, pimple creams, peels. You won't find it on your pillow. You won't find it on your partner's face the next day. It's really, really good. If you want to try the Mighty Patch for yourself, you can use code WITHME15 for 15% off on HeroCosmetics.com. That's WITHME15 for 15% off on HeroCosmetics.com. You Can't Sit With Me, hosted by Deanna Espear. going to lie today. I'm actually very, very nervous on this podcast and I don't get nervous a lot. I've never found myself in a situation when I, where I'm actually like having imposter syndrome because I have Sarah Levine, who is the editor-in-chief of Betches. Oh my gosh. Hi. Thank you. What an intro. You know, a lot of these podcasters like myself who talk about pop culture are like, my dream job is to host on E. No, I'm like, I want to be one of the bitches. Yes, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realize, you know, before I had you on the podcast, I've always read the website and I never knew who was writing what I was just reading. And then I saw this amazing Vanderpump Rules article. And then I was like, who the fuck wrote this? This person (laughs) has, you know, is so ballsy. You didn't think it was ballsy. I thought it was really ballsy. And then I looked you up and I was like, holy shit, I asked her to be on my show and I didn't realize she was the OG, the editor-in-chief of Betches. (laughs) And thank you. Do you feel like it's getting to your head a little bit? No. If anything, I'm like, why does anyone listen to me? (laughs) Are you still feeling that way? Are you joking? Um, no. I mean, I definitely like, I say this with a little bit of jest, but like, I definitely think being self-deprecating has kept me like edgy, keeps you funny. Can't, can't let your head get too big. Yeah. So before we get into the episode, I just want to remind everyone that they can join the secret Facebook group called You Can't Sit With Me. We discuss all the topics that I speak about on the show. You're also welcome to submit messages on concertwithme.com slash submit. They're all anonymous. And yeah, before we start talking about Vanderpump rules, some Batch Nation stuff, Sarah, why don't you give us your tip of the week? I never told anybody that because I'm such a good friend. My tip of the week, I I just bought these face masks um, and 
I got them from this place called Dip and Daisy. They're it's like a bathing suit company that I think has now switched over their manufacturing, but they're ten dollars each. They're so cute. They have like probably hundreds of really cute patterns. And for every mask you buy, they donate one to I think a healthcare worker or a frontline worker. Um, so I literally bought like four the other day. So that's my tip of the week. They're cute and they might help slow the spread of COVID. So in my opinion, you can't go wrong. We can tell that I'm that I'm in Europe and you're in the US because now <laughs> when I think face mask, I think beauty because basically where I am in Switzerland, there's not that many more cases anymore. So we're, we're basically living normally now here. Whereas you guys yeah. are still like face masking. Like Oh yeah, actual- we're still in the thick of it. Yeah, we're not as much. Like people don't really wear face masks here anymore. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, I'm like, shit's going to go down. Maybe we should all carry on wearing the, the, the face mask. <laughs> um, well, I love that. So it's just in case. I wish I could recommend something as safe and helpful as yours. My <laughs> <tip of> the- <laughs> it's Shark Week this week. I, I hope you know what this means, Sarah. What does that mean? Shark week means um, I'm on my period. Okay, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure if there was like also a literal shark week happening because you honestly don't know in 2020. Actually, yeah, 2020 leaves so many options, you know, when it comes to shark week because 2020 has <laughs> been such a shit show. Very disappointed. And But shark week for me is the week where I'm literally periodzilla. That's what people call me. <laughs> uh, it might transfer into this podcast. My commentary might even be even more savage than it normally is. And whatever happens, what happens when I'm on my period is that I get this one humongous volcano-like pimple on my face. And it's always in the most horrible area, like the tip of my nose or like, you know, my chin, like super obvious. And it's just one. And so I've been (laughs) using... (laughs) It's so disgusting. And it's the kind of pimple that really makes you want to just become Dr. Pimple Popper and like you know, perform open surgery on it or whatever, but it just needs to stay there. Otherwise it fucks my entire face. So I've been using the Hero Cosmetics pimple patches, put them on at night, wake up the next day. You see all the, what's it called? The pus (laughs) coming out. It's very satisfying. It's gross, but satisfying. See it all come out on this little patch and then it's gone in one night. Really recommend I'm so glad you shared that because I feel like the exact same thing happens to me. I get these pimples that are like, I mean, not exactly cystic acne because I don't quite know what that is 100%, but they're always huge. They take at least like a week to fully form and then resolve. And they're always like in the middle of my face, an area where I can't cover it with makeup. My hair won't cover it. It's just like, here's the middle of my forehead and a giant pimple that I have to deal with for over a week. Do you name them? I don't. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't want to give that shit any attention. No, I don't. They don't deserve a name. They deserve to be murdered. Yes. But um, so, no, that thing is really good because even when you don't have a white head, it still kind of extracts all the oil and you still, even if it doesn't have a head yet, it will still diminish the size of it considerably the next morning. Then you can wear another one the next day. Oh my um, God. Life yeah. changing. They have two different kinds. They have a normal one that I wear at night and they also have the invisible kind that you can wear in the day and it literally looks like you've concealed um, your pimple as well. Really recommend them. I know. Beauty tip. And a lot of people are getting pimples nowadays because they wear face masks during coronavirus. Yes, true. 
Yes. So I want to ask you a couple of questions about yourself, uh, yourself because I'm very intrigued by your career. You have my dream career and I'm <laughs> upset with your work. And, you know, for the people who aren't familiar with you and your work, I just kind of want you to tell us how you became the editor-in-chief of Betches because back in the day, I used to think you guys were just an Instagram memes account in like 2015. I kind of started writing for Betches freelance in... 2014, I want to say, like they kind of put out a call for writers and I just answered the call, I suppose. Um, And I was doing that for maybe two years. um, And then um, my like boss who I was working with, who's one of the founders, approached me and said, you know, they they were looking to expand. Um, Like, was I interested in a full time position? And I was like, of course. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was not a super, like, dramatic story. It just kind of honestly all worked out. So it was definitely made for you. And I have (laughs) kind of a a, a controversial question to ask you, but I really want you to be honest with me. You know, I used to be, I still am, I guess, a pop culture, like, obsessed person. But now that I have this podcast and I have hosted for platforms, like, i kind of had the same job as you, but more for like visual stuff. Um, I find that I don't really care as much about the stuff that I talk about. Now it feels more like work. And so when like huge stuff comes out in the news, I'm like, meh. And I just kind of, do you still feel that same passion that you had when it was more of a hobby? Um, Like honestly, yes and no. Um, I feel like, you know, when, when we talk about Vanderpump Rules, I used to watch that for fun. And then once I started recapping, it like, it sort of takes the fun out of it, but then it's kind of fun in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. And then as far as like regular celebrity news, it's still kind of fun, but I would say it's it's less fun when like, I already know something because it's like my job to keep my finger on the pulse of this stuff. And then at the same time, I have like 16 friends texting me the same story. And I'm like, I know. It's my fucking job. Yeah. Do you yeah. also find that like before you had to professionally recap Vanderpump Rules, you <laughs> kind of made t- more time to watch it because it was like a leisure, but now it kind of feels like I got to watch it and you're less, you know, willing to actually <laughs> make the time for it. Yeah. You have- I think it's like a totally dumb like psychology thing where I just like psych myself out where if I didn't have this, you know, self-imposed pressure to watch the show, I, you know, would, would I still be watching the show at the same time? Like probably, I think it, it's like everyone probably does that where you like, once you feel like you have to do something, you no longer want to do it. Like I can be yeah. thinking all day, like, oh man, I can't wait to go work out. And then it's like time for me to go work out. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> as soon as soon as something's imposed, you don't, you don't want to fucking do it. Like, yeah. What can I tell you? But also, um, I, I feel like we're kind of both on the same page where we're kind of bored of the show regardless of what's going on. We're kind of over it. That's what I got from from the article that we're going to talk about in just a minute. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I feel yeah. like you also believe that this season was shit. Like we, we weren't as into it as we, we had been in the past. Yeah, I, like, and I'm honestly like the, the longer I watched the show, like, you know, I keep tabs. Like I read Reddit. I'm in a Facebook group. I love um, Brian Moylan's recaps on Vulture. Like, he's what I aspire to be. Um, And the general kind of discourse that I'm reading, like, granted, in my perhaps 
bit of like an echo chamber is that the show isn't what it once was. People are over it. Everything seems too forced by production. And then it's honestly made me like want to want to go back, but like I haven't yet um, to like rewatch the show to see if it really was that great or if we have these like rose colored glasses on. That's exactly my question. I'm like, what do you, do you think part of you not liking it as much is also because it's your job now or was it really that great in the past or is it just, or was it never that great? And are we just more aware of what a great show is? No, that's a good question. I mean, I think like, so I never watched Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, um, but I know that the way that this show was introduced was this like almost kind of brown gray groundbreaking whole wow um (laughs) groundbreaking concept of how they just went from a fight in lisa's restaurant to like here's this new show and i think that was i don't know pretty innovative um so like i think it, it definitely like started off um like doing something that people hadn't really seen before yeah, it's like, you know, it all started with Sheena being the other woman. <laughs> yes. And I feel like that was something that n- not many people would own and actually publicize on TV. It was very much taboo. And so that became the, the whole storyline of the first couple episode seasons. You know, it was around Sheena being the other woman, Stasi being like, I fucking hate you. Like, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a very new storyline for us, you know, green reality TV watchers. And I just feel like now it kind of becomes the new Kardashian where we're not getting the truth. We're getting something made just for the show, which is what really, really bugs me about the show. I can't say enough. I've said it so many times on the podcast. I'm so over it. Um, But one thing that I was not over was all the recent news and especially your article. And I really want to ask you more about this article because to me, that was very ballsy. You know, you did say that Vanderpump rules should basically be canceled. And so first of all, I kind of want to know, how do you feel before posting this article that to me has some rightfully so savage elements to it? <laughs> you know, you're kind of saying be fucking canceled by, um, what if you're wrong? What if, you know, next season they switch things up and it becomes the best reality show all over again that we've ever seen? Like, were you afraid of that when you put the article out? No, I mean, I don't like expect Bravo to listen to me. It's just like <laughs> my opinion. Um, and honestly, my opinion like stems from the fact that like, it's really more about how the OGs of this show are problematic. And frankly, like they always have been, but mm-hmm. no one has ever really taken them to task for it. Um, And so then that's like one element. And the other element is kind of like, you can remove them, but I still feel like we all know what it was. And like, I don't know, I kind of said this in my conclusions and I don't know how else to put it, but like their ghosts will still kind of like linger in the presence of the show, in my opinion. Um, And then on top of that, it's like, we all complained that the show was boring anyway. So like, what to me, it's like, what's really the big deal? 
I get that, but you know, you're, we're also saying that, and I'm not challenging you. I love discussing these things. I, I love to turn something dumb and stupid like reality TV into a whole psychoanalysis. Yeah. That's like my favorite thing to do in the world. <laughs> Too much time on my hands. No, but, I mean, um, I, I'm like with you because I think like a lot of this stuff does seem frivolous, but it also reflects what what people value. Well, it reflects our society. You know, for example, you you put in the article that Jax was very much seen as like a Trump-like personality, you know, who who was, I mean, for so many fucking reasons. And But the thing is, Jax is kind of like one of the pillars of the show and he's glorified for his shitty behavior. Right. You know? And frankly, it's, I've never gotten why. Like he's... I mean, he's the number one guy in the group in his own mind, but like, why to anyone else? But this is the reason why we thought the show was so entertaining to begin with, like a couple years ago. We loved watching Stasi's one-liners and funny confessionals and being a shitty person. So why are we now completely just like, these people are shitty and I no longer want to watch them? Yeah, you're completely right. And actually, a couple seasons ago, I... I kind of wrote a similar thing, but it was more censored around like, I think this was right. I think this maybe was the season that Jax cheated on Britney. And like, just what I was watching on camera seemed like so to me, like manipulation and gaslighting and all these things that like are kind of like concurrent with emotional abuse. And it was like ups very upsetting for me to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had written this piece back then about how like, it's not fun to watch this anymore. Um, I mean, it's definitely been something I've been grappling with. I feel like now there's this movement around who, like, who you really support and, like, where you're spending your money and your time. And I I don't know. I think it, it is causing people to reflect on, like, what they're supporting. Do you think with this new perspective that we have now, you know, we are more aware consumers of social media because of the movements happening. You know, we had Me Too, we had Black Lives Matter. We have so much going on. Do you think that if we go back and watch old episodes of Vanderpump Rules, some of the shit we thought was funny back then, we won't find funny anymore? Or do you think that their dramas were just more uh, innocent back in the day? That's a good question. I'm sure we would find moments that don't hold up. Um, I do also think that it was kind of, it felt different before they were big stars because the stakes, I want to say, were lower. Yeah, very true. Like when they're just like random people we are discovering, we're almost waiting for them to slip up because that's what they're supposed to do. They don't know what it's like to have a platform. And now it's kind of just not okay to slip up anymore because... They know, you know, all the pre they, they they know that what the stakes are, right? And the thinking is now they should know better. You said that um, only firing four of the cast members feels like that meme of trying to put to to plug a hole by slapping some some duct tape over it. <laughs> um, love that quote. That's when I really realized I was like, wow, this is so fucking ballsy because just as Bravo is now realizing, um, what they've done wrong, you know, in the past and how they've not, you know, allowed minorities to have a platform, we're kind of doing the same thing as well. 
we were glorifying these people, not even realizing that, you know, the show was not diverse and that these people were fucking shitty and fucking horrible. Do you think Bravo's just, it's, do you think Bravo's the only one to blame or do you think the audience is also kind of partly to blame for this as well? Um, I, it definitely goes both ways. And I think, you know, I could have spent a lot more time touching on this and like, but, but yeah, we're, we're all to blame. It kind of feeds into each other. Um, like I want to say that networks try to give the viewers what they want. Mm -hmm. And so if we're just kind of consuming what they give us without any pushback or anything like that, then there's no reason for them to like want to change up the formula. Mm -hmm. I guess I would say in like if an idealistic world when that's how TV programming works. <laughs> if Vanderpump was to continue, for example, the next season, which it probably will, who are some people that you still would want to see on the show? I personally have only maybe two or three. Um, but who are some people that still kind of do it for you and those who do not anymore at all? Um, I, I think that Tom and Ariana this season were good at actually calling out behavior that they took issue with. Um, and they did it, like, for instance, with Jax's pastor, that was a whole big thing. But I actually respected that Tom said something to Jax to his face. Rather yeah. than just like saying saying something in his one on one interview or like tweeting about it after the fact, um, so I don't know. I, that was like pretty redeeming to me. Yeah, Tom got. Uh, I felt so sorry for Tom. I think he got a uh, an unfair amount of hate because of this. Because if I were Jax, and you know if. Jax actually had a few brain cells, which he does not. Um, <laughs> he would have seen it as his opportunity to set the record straight on camera. He should have been like, thank you, Tom, for bringing this up so I can, you know, explain or give my version of the story rather than feel attacked by it. I, right. I, I felt for Tom in that moment. Yeah. Instead, Jax was pretty much just mad that Tom brought it up on camera. So, yeah, um, I liked them this season. Um I was listening to a previous episode that you'd done. Um, I forget who the guest was, but I personally liked Charlie. I thought that she was really funny. Um, Let's discuss this for a second. Let's yeah. discuss it. Why? Why? Honestly, she just like, she was so underutilized, but I felt that every time she spoke, it was hilarious to me. So you thought it was funny that she kept like fat shaming and I'm not a serious person. I'd love a fucking offensive joke, but the fat shaming, you thought that was cool. Like I thought it was so stupid. What fat shaming? That's, she's like, Oh, um, Dana, go back to Olive Garden. We'll see how you look in 10 years or something. Oh, wow. I don't remember that comment. Um, I just remember the comment about her not eating pasta and like avocados. Like who, why, like, how is that fun? To me, that sounds like a very depressive person right there. Someone yeah. who can't even enjoy her carbs. No, that's not great. I also did read um, in, I think maybe a Reddit thread about an interview some other podcasts had done with Charlie that um, her issues with food like stem from trauma that are not just like about dieting like there are some deeper issues there that the show just kind of like glossed over um yeah, but it, makes sense, like, a joke. Like, it doesn't make sense to me 
She's so stupid. She really bugs me. I really, I really need to put this out there. She really fucking bugs me because also I think that pasta was just the easy way to get a little, you know, her little storyline in because pasta was already a thing. It's not about the pasta on Vanderbilt. Low-hanging <laughs> fruit. Okay. It was recycling previous Vanderpump Rules reality TV gold, in my opinion. Well, you'll never, we'll never get that magic of it's not about the pasta. Legit. Lightning can strike twice, that's for sure. I just have not heard great things. I've not heard amazing things. I'm going to leave it at that. Why do you love her, though? What what do you think? No, I wouldn't say that I love her. I just thought that like her, her one liners were funny and I'm not opposed to like seeing more of her. I will say I one thing I did love about her was the reunion where she was like, I don't give a fuck about you guys. Like, I don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> I love that. No. I got to be honest. I did not watch the reunion. I was just like truly over the show. And I was like, I'm not going to spend three hours watching a chaotic Zoom meeting. Like, I do that for work. <laughs> that's what I was like. That's the mindset I was in. And then when I watched it, I was like, th- th- those three reunions should have been the entire season. In my opinion, wow. like the reunions were good. She was okay, ready. This is a good fun. endorsement. Wow. Yeah, I'm telling you, like I could have done without watching any of the episodes this season and just the reunions. Okay, this is convincing. Perhaps. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Now you can go waste three hours of oh your day <laughs> watching fucking Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Danica? Do you think that Danica is? that has the potential to be the new star of Vanderpump Rules, which I think she does. She definitely brings a really chaotic energy, mm-hmm. which I think reality shows need. You, you think the show needs to be canceled entirely? You think time to move on? I think they can cancel it. I think they could think about maybe doing some kind of spinoff, but like call it something else. Don't, don't root it in this show that already exists and not for nothing. Like the whole premise of them working at the restaurant is already so flimsy to begin with that. Like, I think for a lot of people, it was just not believable. It's not believable at all anymore. Do you think that any other kind of millennial Bravo shows, um, have, have what it takes to become like the new, you know, Vanderpump rules and kind of crossover to mainstream pop culture? The new Vanderpump Rules. That's an interesting legacy to follow. Um, I will say they're not millennials, but I really love Real Housewives of Potomac. It's like okay. my favorite Bravo show. I I love all the women. Like, first of all, they're beautiful, but also they're they're so smart. And a lot of the housewives that I'm watching is like everyone just being like drunk and incoherent. Um, but so I really enjoy watching all their arguments because they're like, they're not just like rooted in, oh, we're, we're blacked out and making no sense. The messiness on Vanderpump Rules got a little too dark for it to be enjoyable. It was very dark shit. Yeah, I think at if, parts it definitely did. Yeah, I think if you can keep the messiness very fluffy and like funny and lighthearted, you're, you're golden when it comes to reality shit. Reality it's kind of hard to do because, yeah, like people who are messy are not usually just like messy in a vacuum and they might be messy in other parts of their lives that are like less fun to watch. Uh So it's definitely a really interesting line to try to draw. 
You know, I read this article about Chris Harrison, you know, Batch Nation. Hello. (laughs) That, you know, he's not really loving all the stuff that he's seen on TV, reality TV at the moment. He's saying that, you know, whatever happens with Batch Nation with regards to COVID and all the security measures, he wants to make sure that everything is like to the best quality in the most produced, like professionally produced way possible with a camera crew. He doesn't believe in like vlogging type self-filming. And I kind of want your opinion on that because I felt strongly about it personally myself. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like we all do, Chris. But there's more serious issues at hand right now than, like, if I'm going to have to watch a Big Brother-type season of The Bachelorette, you know? Yeah. I mean, don't you kind of want to see how people are, you know, navigating through COVID, even in the reality TV world? Like, isn't that the point? I don't understand what he means by this. I mean, I kind of agree with you. Um, And, like, not for nothing, but I loved the circle i loved love is blind like even before we were quarantining um those shows were huge and those were just people alone in apartments talking to a wall which is what i do now for fun exactly so i think i think it's like i don't think it's a bad thing to have our reality tv shows reflect what we're all going through and not yeah. for nothing i feel like sometimes when i when i watch like old seasons of reality shows like um, I, I watched Real Housewives of New York from the beginning and like seeing them like out at restaurants or at crowded parties like makes me feel sad. <laughs> you know, have you watched Too Hot to Handle on Netflix? I, I started watching part of it. Um, I couldn't like super get into it, but they were spot on with the premise. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know wildly relatable during quarantine especially for I don't know if you're single but I am yes um, you know, <laughs> I think part of the reason why the show was so successful during quarantine is not just because it was the best reality show I think it was because a lot of single people could relate to the fact that they felt very isolated and couldn't hook up with other people yeah it was literally like what we were all going through I mean same thing with love is blind And again, same thing with The Circle. So I would totally watch another season of all those shows because it's it's weirdly an escape because it's also what I'm going through. But I don't know what the psychology is there. It's making it fun. It's like making lemonades, you know? When you see all these production companies turning this shitty situation and making lemonade, adding tequila... um, You know, I that makes me want to watch the fucking show. I was really bothered by this comment. I was like, Chris Harrison is definitely a reality TV snob. And <laughs> we all know what happens when you become a reality TV snob. You become a Lala. You become <laughs> not interesting to watch. You become above reality TV. And then you just become boring. And you become a friend of. And like, who wants to be a friend of? Nobody wants to be a friend of. <laughs> Did you like Lala this season? No, you hated the whole fucking season. Uh, I actually like the weird thing is in a vacuum, I didn't hate the season because like there were parts that I didn't like. Um, I mean, I didn't like the whole Max Brett love triangle. Like they spent a little too much time on that. Um, and but I but I liked the fact that like it wasn't the drama that we were getting like wasn't just a regurgitation of old drama. Like it wasn't just like oh, Jack's cheated again for the 76th time. Like, it was actually some new stuff. 
Yeah, that that was actually relevant. Like, you know, people not being allies to the LGBTQ community, community, things like that. Those are actually relevant issues. So, you know, they didn't deal with it the right way. They didn't show it, show us everything in the right way. But they covered those topics for once. Right. And like some of the stuff that was going on between the people, it wasn't just the same like the same thing that we've been having, like the same old fights, like it, it was a little bit different. So I didn't like hate it. I mean, the integration with the new cast was like a little bit clunky. But are you are you kind of agreeing with Jax? Do you think that the new cast was not necessary? No, I mean, I think that it was necessary to switch things up and like try to bring new people in. Um, I personally was like, again, getting tired of like, here's Jax again, like playing the victim game and like, and cheating and here's this person like doing the same thing so i I liked that they tried to switch it up i i i I think danica should have they they should have just made danica the main character and vanderpump rules would have been a fresher newer (laughs) more dramatic season she is so dramatic i i really wonder why they like didn't spend more time on her that everyone is wondering. She's wondering. I bet production is <laughs> now wondering. Like nobody fucking understands. I'm telling you, I'm sure you have the inside scoop as well, but the drama that she and her boyfriend have is so like on another level of anything that we've seen this season. I cannot believe that it wasn't edited into the main, like main episodes. We kind of got a gist of it in um, the secrets revealed, which like we know all the fucking secrets. So please don't waste your time. Um, <laughs> If, if Vanderpump Rules has a new season, which it probably will have, now that you've said in your article that you think the show should be canceled, are you going to keep recapping? Honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> Is this the last Vanderpump Rules commentary that you're doing in your career? Ooh, that's a good question. Maybe. Because you know what? Like The crazy thing is, too, I wrote this in my last recap of this season. The way that they ended it was like, chef's kiss like it was low-key a cinematic masterpiece when they were like cutting between the witches of weho's friendship like crumbling versus like tom and Jax's friendship on this like precipice versus like Jax having this accidental fourth wall break and telling lisa this is why my show is successful and lisa being like this is my show like it was mind-blowing and amazing and i truly think that they could just leave it there it felt like a like a farewell like a goodbye it did those so yeah i'm okay with it (laughs) like can i be honest with you yeah i have been talking about the vanderpump rules on this podcast for about three plus years i think this might be the last time i talk about it as well oh my god we did it we we did it. We joined forces. Like, <laughs> I have nothing more to say about this show. Nothing. Yeah. Like, I like, think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think that with this farewell episode, these friendships are over, and then the firings, like, basically. And that's kind of what I was saying. I mean, like, obviously, the there's so many issues with the show. And then on top of that, I feel like we've already reached a pretty good conclusion point that to me, I'm just like, let it go. If I take anything away from all these eight seasons of Vanderpump Rules, this is what it is. I'm going to try and make this my farewell episode. Yes. (laughs) 
if your friendships are toxic, you can keep trying for eight fucking seasons. They're not going to last and it's Mm -hmm. not going to fucking work. What is your conclusion, Sarah? Yeah. I mean, that's what makes that show interesting is because like they – Unlike a lot of the housewives, they would actually try to be friends with each other in the off season. And the show was always kind of hinging on this premise that they worked at this restaurant that they didn't work at, but whatever. Um, And also that they were actually a group of friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So who knows? (laughs) Vanderpump Rules, this might be my favorite episode for you. Might be Sarah's last recap. (laughs) Who knows? All I have to say is, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such an honor to have you. Thank Um, you. No, it means so much to me when someone from Betches, you know, listens to my show and double checks and is like, I'm cool to do this. Like that was validation at its finest for me. Oh. Um, (laughs) Finding moment in the, in the, you know, for this, the duration of this podcast. So really, thank you so much. Can you let everyone know where they can find you, share your socials, everything? Yeah, sure. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Sarah Lameem. It's L-E-M-E-M-E. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Yes, and you can read all of her juicy, savage <laughs> articles on benches. I, no, I love your savage side. Please don't get rid of it. Please don't. <laughs> I realized that most of the articles that I had loved reading on Betches were yours because I never looked oh, at the wow. author. Yeah. <laughs> Honored. So there you go. You get your dose of validation too. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, guys. Don't forget to leave me a review because I'm thirsty and everyone who puts out content online is thirsty. So don't shame me for it. And even if you do, that's fine. Um, and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the You Can't Say With Me podcast. Just a quick reminder, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It is the most helpful and supportive thing you can do for this show. Also, if you would like to engage in the conversation yourself, you're welcome to request to join the secret Facebook group. It's called You Can't Sit With Me. Don't forget to look for it. But all really annoying and thirsty plugs aside, hope you enjoy this episode.